Thanks everybody for listening to the short thing today. It is Monday, May 24th. Warren and Ryan here with you today. Lots to talk about on the show. We're going to talk about the PGA Championship. Phil, the thrill, Mickelson, out of nowhere, wins a major at 50 years old, the oldest to ever do it. Uh, we'll talk about NBA playoffs as well. You can check us out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio podcast app. We'll be back again on Thursday this week. What, Ryan, how's it going? Dude, it's going well, man. That's good. That's good. This this weather right now is uh pretty uh pretty pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it just seems like it's just been, ra- been raining like literally for two weeks straight. <laughs> yes, and like today was supposed to stop, and then out of nowhere yesterday they're like, oh, it's supposed to rain today. Mm-hmm. Like, where's that from? That sucks. Yeah. But I have a I have a question. I have a question on if you would say anything in this situation. So. Uh, a couple, one, a couple of my friends were in town this weekend. So Saturday, we were taking an Uber downtown, and it was raining pretty good in the afternoon. And usually, I don't like the Uber driver. They can drive however they want, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But this guy on Saturday night was going on the tollway, like eighty-five in the like. It was raining pretty hard, and like not really like a care in the world. And I was like. I was getting nervous because he'll, and it wasn't even, he didn't have, he wasn't in an SUV. He wasn't in a truck. It was like, I don't know, like a Toyota Corolla or like what it wasn't. I don't know. And then like a couple times I was like, God, I'm like, you're looking at the road. And if you know the tollway from pretty much Royal down to, um, down to 35, it's the blacktop pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that can get kind of slick. And I thought we could it felt like we were going to hydroplane there for a second. And uh, I, I didn't say anything, but when we all got out and went to the bar, we were like, "Did were you scared like in that Uber ride? And everyone like agreed yes. So like, would you have said something? Like, I don't I don't want to be the, oh, and then he ran a red light and a guy honked at him and he's yelling at him for, uh, for, for, for like, he's like, I don't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. As a guy honks at him as this guy ran a red light. Like, Bro, and then he started yelling at the other guy that honked at him. And I was like, dude, what are you? You ran the red light. It was that turn when you go, it's the AAC. There's that one left turn, and then it's a red, and the other cars come on. I think it's Olive or whatever. But I was like, dude, you ran the red light. That guy's mad at you for running a red light. Why are you yelling at him? It was, it was, would you have said anything first about the uh, driving too fast in the rain? I felt like I would have, I fell out of step doing it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have said anything about the <clears throat> the fast driving. I uh, probably would have said something about the red light. Like, yeah, you you did run that one there. You know, not 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 super aggressively, but just like kind of let him know, like, yeah, no, you you screwed up there. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's tough. I mean, you could always, you know, you could always go the uh, the leave it in a review type of thing. Oh, I gave a three star. Oh, three stars. That's tough. Um, but oh, uh, we were going to get in a crash. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm saying that's tough for him. That sucks for him. But uh, yeah, no, I probably don't say anything. Uh, you know, if it's just me, I definitely don't say anything. If it's me and Jamie, maybe I'm like, hey, buddy, let's, you know, ease up on the game. And I, you know what? Probably then I probably don't even say anything. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's just like, like you said, Uber drivers that drive the way they drive the speed. I probably wouldn't have said anything. But the red light would have been like, yeah, buddy, no, you uh, you uh, screwed up there. Yeah, you look. Usually, if I don't really care if they're going fast, but it was just the rain and the the tollway in the rain is just a dangerous place. And, and I don't know. 
Obviously, I'm here. Nothing happened. And then on the way back, there was like an accident on the Beltline exit. And our Uber driver was getting off of the exit. And we were stuck on the exit for like five minutes, ten minutes. And he was furious mm-hmm. that they wouldn't let him uh, – that they wouldn't let him through. And he's trying to weave his way over a curb or whatever. And I'm like, buddy, no one's really, you know, you might be in a rush to get another, another drive in, but like none of the two of us, we're not really in a big rush right now. Like it's, mm-hmm. you could just stay here, but he was, and he was like apologizing. I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry. I'm like this. And I'm like, dude, I don't really care. Like we're just, you're, you complaining about it is making it laugh to me right now because, yeah. Because I really could care less about this. We're just sitting here waiting. Like that's what an accident is. You got to wait for them to move it or or whatever. But he was just like really, really, really frustrated about that uh, situation. You didn't drop the O. Oh, I work in the biz. Don't worry. Uh, one of my he was like, oh, he didn't catch it. But one of the one of the guys I was with, he was like, oh, Warren, what do you think about this crash or whatever? And I was like, I can't really get my eyes on. I can't tell. But I'll tell you, I should uh, maybe I'll go to the system and, and put it in as an as as an exit block due to an accident. There you go. Um, on the phone, but no, I don't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't catch up on that. He didn't catch up on that. Um, but all right, let's get into the PJ Championship here. Phil won. He wins his sixth major. He's now the oldest major winner to win. Um, oldest person to win a major at 50 years old being Jack Nicholas when he won the Masters in 1986. And I think Phil should really owe me. He Phil owes, owes me a lot. He should thank me because I, if you listened on Monday, I thought a bet and I did bet it that uh, Bobby McIntyre to get a low left-hander. Thought that was a good bet. Bobby McIntyre did in fact Get low left-hander if we're not counting Phil Mickelson. Uh, but the problem is, guess what? They count Phil Mickelson, and he won. He beat Bobby Mack by 11 shots. But uh, I said I died, and Phil was not even on my radar to contend in the PGA Championship. And here he is. He's winning the whole damn thing. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're you were uh, wrong in thinking that. And that was no. what plus twenty five thousand coming into it. Um, you know, had, hadn't even uh, sniffed a top twenty or a top ten in his last like six or seven tournaments. Just wasn't playing really well. Missed a bunch of cuts. So yeah, the fact that we saw the one of the longest courses in PGA history. You know, L and to, to add on to that, you know, the howling winds that she had that you know were kind of swirling at, at times. Uh, and he just was out there and he, you know, just got it done and kind of from the jump too. Right. I mean, I know he wasn't the first round leader, second round leader, but he was in the mix, uh, from the very beginning and then really separated himself, which, you know, you always kind of, uh, you know, you kind of go into Sunday and think, all right, well, you know, what's going to happen here And Sunday is where he really set himself apart from Brooks more, more, more so Brooks doing that on his own. Right, going out there and uh, hitting a couple bad shots early on, but Phil was able to capitalize and stretch that lead to I think like five strokes at one point. And uh, yeah, he just he just got it done. Just played sound golf. Like I said, hit him hit him straight, hit him close to the hole. Had a couple really good shots. Uh, obviously had that shot out of the bunker that he uh, ends up dunking in. And uh, you know so he he got it done. The old man, old man Phil. I thought at the uh, after his. Uh, round on Sunday, his the comment he made was funny. He's like, "Look, this is either going to be my last win ever, or I'm going to go on a little run here. So we'll see what happens." Which I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, well, he was leading after Saturday going into Sunday, or he was right. leading after Friday going into Saturday, um, and he got lucky 
I'm not. He got. He got. I would say the more favorable half of the draw. The first two rounds, it seemed like the wind on Friday afternoon was real, like the heaviest it was all day. And the whole thing about Kiowa, it's like interesting because when you start on the back nine and the wind is coming out of the east, once you once you get to hole 14, you pretty much play holes 14 through number four or five straight into the wind. So that's like nine straight holes into the wind, and that's just like. That just wears you down. You don't get the you don't get the break where if you start on number one, you with the east with the uh, east wind, it's four wind or the first four holes into the wind, then five through thirteen is downwind, and then fourteen through eighteen is into the wind. So you, the like you saw on Saturday when Brooks made his two eagles on the par fives, like those were both downwind holes like he was really taking advantage of the downwind holes which is what those guys did and then you just hold on for dear life when when the wind flips so on friday afternoon when all the leaders in the from thursday were out there it was like really really hard out there no one was making a lot of birdies at all if anything so he kind of got lucky on that but he took advantage of that and i mean really yesterday and and phil on on if you go back to his third round like he it all started though to waver a little bit when he had like a six footer on the uh, 11th hole to for a birdie for another birdie and he would have been uh six under through 11 and it was just like holy cow like this is unbelievable and then he missed that then he bogeyed 12 hit a horrible drive in the water on 13 and you're like all right this is this is phil the thrill here this is this is the guy that that he just looked flawless on the front nine and now here we are he's it's getting shaky on the steering wheel, but then he he he, he parred in and credit to him. But then even yesterday, like starting off, he made a horrible bogey on the first hole, and then Brooks makes a birdie, and you're like, all right, well, this is Brooks just going to take away. Here's Phil. It was a good run. And then Brooks just made like the easiest birdie ever on the first hole, and then he's got a par five coming up that's downwind today. He should keep extending the lead, and it just didn't happen. And Phil, like they just, they just kept that front nine. It was like Brooks, Phil, and Louie, they were all like, trading birdies doubles bogeys like everyone was in the lead once and this and that and then and i was really really for as well as phil played like i was really shocked at how poor brooks played especially the par fives like him playing the par fives um the first three of them four over par like that is that's horrible like that's really Really, it might sound like harsh, but like he would tell you that's horrible. Like, he should not be playing par fives, three of them, four over par. Like that was really, really bad. And Phil took advantage of it. And it was, it really, re- re- and I, you know me, Ryan, I am not the biggest Phil fan out there. Like I had never been the biggest Phil guy. I was not, I don't think I've really pre- pretty much ever rooted for Phil. I was like an anyone but Phil guy. I always thought, and I still think he is like the last couple of years, like he's just so cheesy, so tacky. I think like he's doing an act and like part of it is fake. And this, and I never understood why people thought like he was the every man, like the guy who grew up in a pretty wealthy family, was a country club kid the whole time. It was like, he was never like the every man, like, Oh, this guy's grinding on the range when he was a kid, like at the public ranges going by bucket of balls. Like I didn't understand why everybody like loved him so much. It's because he gave thumbs up all the time. It was, it was, it was mainly cause he was the, the contrasting style of the tiger of I'm going to interact with the fans when I'm playing and Tiger didn't. And I just didn't understand why everyone's like Phil, like he's just like, I I just didn't understand why everybody loved Phil. They thought he was like the everyman. I'm like, this guy's really not the everyman. He's been silver spooning it his whole life. So whatever. But 
I found myself rooting for Phil yesterday. Like I, I, I wanted him to win. I didn't, if someone that at that age, like 50, when Tom Watson was facing Stuart sink in the 2009, I think, uh, open championship. Like when someone of that age is in it for a major, like you want them to win because it's such a great story for golf. And, and you don't want Phil, who's had such heartbreak before in all these tournaments, to have to go through that again, pretty much. And it was, it was. Uh, I found myself rooting for Phil, which was a weird, uh, a weird thing for me. But now it's like I don't. Phil's fifty. It doesn't. I, there's no animosity there, really. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the thing of you uh, always kind of being everybody but Phil. I think we gotta have to have a heart to heart, come to Jesus moment here, Warren. The uh, I think the insider trading jokes are a little played out. I gotta be honest. Okay, that's fine, but I still people still make them. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm I'm talking you personally. Are they funny? Come on, uh, are they? Are they though? Yeah, there are people that like them. Okay, all right. I'm just, you know, like I said, sometimes it's like, you know, you dropped one on last Thursday, which you know, you, I got a little, you know, I gave you a little snort. Might have been a little courtesy, and then I know you fired the off one a on this Friday weekend. when he was t- the one on Friday when he was tied for the lead, like that. I thought that was a good one. The one yesterday hand up that that was probably not great but the one on friday i stand by that one okay all right you know like i said just just as a friend you know maybe we uh you know i'm just looking out for you how about uh what do you think of so here's the thing about for phil first of all the insider trading for phil thing will will never not get old for me that he just got off of that just just like oh i don't even know what's going on but uh do you so have you you remember last year, a couple of years ago, we talked about the Premier Golf League or the Super Golf League or whatever. Mm-hmm. He is like front and center with trying to get this Premier Golf League or like trying to get a uh, like the Premier Golf League, the Super Golf League, whatever, set up by the Saudis and Mohammed bin Salam or MSB, like with the prime minister that like getting a ton of money into that league. Like, so this whole thing of like the PGA, him winning the PGA as he's trying to work, like it's, it's kind of known in like the golf circles. He's trying to get this like super premier league going on or with super golf league going on. And like all these leagues are like, Oh, like the PGA championship said today, if you join that league, you'll be banned from the Ryder cup and banned from the PGA championship. And like all this other stuff. And here's Phil like pretty much known that he's also trying to make more money because he knows he'll make more money on that than this. But, like, he's just out there doing that, and he's out somehow gets lightning in a bottle this week and wins the PGA Championship. And and people are making the uh, the Saudi jokes, like, oh, he's going to – this is going to be his last one in the States before he wins a couple in Saudi Arabia and that golf league and, and everything like that. Like, what do you – it's just a weird – Phil is such a weird dynamic right now. I think Phil is Phil, you know what I mean? Like you said, he, he kind of gave off this persona of, you know, being the con- the uh, the common man and being, you know, salt of the earth type of deal. But you see him in his press conferences after, you know, he's he's definitely uh, – he's got a little degenerate in him too for sure. Probably a lot of, yeah. de- a lot of degenerate in him. So, uh, you know, I think that's – I think it probably just plays, um, no pun intended, but, you know, it's kind of par for the course. Well, you, you – um... Yeah, you you heard you could probably talk to uh Siwoo's caddy about the stories of him on the Tuesday practice rounds. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but they're playing for like fifty thousand like, dollar Yeah, no, I have heard like, that. You've you've heard about that. Like he's yeah. big time you play with Phil on Tuesday, that's a big time money game and you better bring your wallet. Um I think John Daly might have there's a story about John Daly going out 
and he was playing at Augusta, and I think they played nine holes. They were only playing nine holes, and he lost like sixty thousand dollars to Phil. And sheesh. he was like, "I'll see." Huh? I said, "Sheesh." And and he's like, "I'll see you tomorrow. We'll play double or nothing or something." And it was, um, I don't I don't know if that if is true, but there's some story about that. But the but the Phil is just. It's just amazing, really, because as you said, I mean, you said that we all know he's he has not contended in anything. He's playing on the Champions Tour because he can't get into some PGA Tour event like he couldn't get into a World Golf Championship last year. So he played in a Champions Tour event before it before a term like he's pretty much been I don't know, irrelevant's not the right word because. Oh, he's his golf game has been irrelevant. His name in golf hasn't been irrelevant because when Phil plays in a tournament, people are always going to watch and want to see how he plays. But like he has not even been relevant in contending for any tournament, let alone a major. Like Fred Couples shows up to the, at the Masters and he contends here and there. Bernard Longer, he'll show up at the Masters and he'll contend for the first three days. But like Phil hasn't even done that, and no. then he just finds this out of nowhere. Like it, this is. Like this is way more shocking than Tiger winning the Masters in 2019. Like this was from nowhere. Yeah, I saw a lot of people making that comparison, and I think a lot of people didn't want to admit that this was kind of a bigger win for uh, for Phil because you know they always make the Phil Tiger uh, comparisons, and and especially after Tiger's accident, people didn't want to kind of concede that. But I, I would agree because, like you said, he hasn't even sniffed you know, being in contention at all. And then from, from, from the clouds in one of the toughest courses that, that we've seen in a while. And he just, he, he, he dominates it. Yeah. He, 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 he was 176 in stroke gains T to green, which is pretty much ball striking going into Kiowa. And then he was first in ball strike in the, in the strokes gain T to green um, this week. So just complete turnaround. And he's just like, and um, no, the whole tiger thing, like, Phil's the oldest guy to ever win a major in golf right now. When I've talked about on this show and other people talk about how deep golf is right now with all these young guys coming in, how deep the fields are each week. Phil at 50 when it's all young guys pretty much winning majors, except for Tiger's got to probably be the oldest guy that's won a major lately that I can think of off the top of my head, like all young guys. And now Phil comes out and wins a major at 50. Like this is a way, way like hit, this is a historic win. The Tiger win was historic in his own, in his personal sense of, of coming back, having, having not won a major in 11 years and everything overcoming from his, from his um, past. Like that is a historic win in that. And everybody was so excited for him, but like, this is, this is a completely different like realm because of his age and the, and, and just, one not playing well, but who he was. Now he gets six majors. Six majors put you in pretty good class with Faldo and Trevino, and then other guys who have won more. But like this is a pretty, like amazing. Like I thought, like people have said this, and big Phil guys said, like his round of golf when he won in Muirfield t- 2013. No one thought pretty much he was going to win a British Open or Open Championship. Like that was an amazing performance. But this totally trumps that. Like this was so much better than what he did at Muirfield. It's just really just because it comes out of left field so much, and it really is. Uh, it really is amazing. And it's also cool like that his brother was on the bag. Like it's always cool when your brother is on the bag, I would say, for Phil. So good for Tim for getting a for getting a major. Timmy Mick, who's also like John Rahm's agent before he started caddying. Crazy. Yeah. And then what do you what do you think about Brooks? Uh I mean, I think 
So I think, you know, coming off of the Masters performance that we saw from him, I think although he played poorly, uh, as you mentioned on those par fives in that last round, he, uh, you know, other than that, finishing and being able to to fight and contend all four days, you know, he was he was in the mix. He was in the top three, I think, all four days after Thursday. You know, I think it was kind of a good performance for him and, you know, kind of get not, you know, no, again, no pun intended, get his legs back underneath him after after his knee surgery and after his knee injury. And kind of see, you know, where he stands. Again, I can't stop mentioning how tough the course was because, I mean, they mentioned it all weekend. But in order to, you know, it'd be, to be able to uh, contend and play well and just coming up short to a guy that just literally played like the round of his life uh, or the tournament of his life, I think is a good sign for Brooks. Yeah, I I mean, he's always going to be there in the majors. I was just – he. the thing that stuck out to me was that he really put like from – pretty much like five to 15 feet. Like he's usually pretty nails putting, but the green also, the greens, there are different type of grass. They were talking about it on the broadcast. It's like an ocean side grass, but like he just putted so bad. Like he very uncharacteristic of Brooks to put that poorly. Now they were like, oh, maybe it was because he's not able to practice with his knee putting or something. If he wants to line up everyone, you can see him still doing that with the knee when he's on the greens, like trying to get the line on the putt. But like, I was shocked at how poorly he put it. And really, another guy who's who's the king of the second place in the majors, Louis Oosthuizen. Louis should be sitting here today thinking, how did he not win the golf tournament? Because that guy putted so bad, too. Like, between Brooks and Louis together, like, if they could have just made, I don't know, half the putts that they missed, they would have been in a playoff for the, for the title because Louis played horrible. He putted. He hits it so well, but his putting was horrendous on uh, – uh, all weekend long. Same thing with Brooks. That's that was my main Brooks takeaway. And and I also like. Did you see what Brooks said? So the scene on eighteen was was nuts. It was total Tiger vintage uh, tour championship in twenty eighteen when he won his first tournament back. Like them getting lost in the crowd, just total crowd control. Just no crowd control. They just lose it. Did you hear what Brooks said? Um, I, I don't think so. He said people. He was mad. Um, he said he wouldn't have cared about the crowd because he kind of got swallowed up in the crowd. Like he wouldn't have cared about the crowd. Um, but if he wasn't injured, but since he was injured, he was mad. And then he said a couple people took like some. He like bumped into a couple people on his knee, and it kind of hurt more. And people were taking swipes at his knee or something like that. And I mean, I I'm not I I understand you're you're pretty mad about that, but I I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. Like, and people taking swipe your knee, that's not good. Because the whole golf crowd, like the whole scene, like that was incredible, impressive. But it's just like the whole golf crowd is just like they were grabbing Phil after. Like, can we just the golf crowd when they go to these tournaments? It's just can we just not try and like touch touch the golfers? Like, what is up with this? Why do they need to touch the golfer? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's always been weird to me because um, it's not like, you know, you're going to grab him by you know around the shoulders and he's gonna be like hey man thanks for congratulating me let's be friends now you know what i mean like that's not yeah. gonna happen uh i think the ultimate thing for this weekend and i saw it beginning on thursday as well uh you might have seen it this weekend a bit as i saw you uh you know do a little bit of of gallivanting about uh yeah. i just think people forgot to how to act in public like really that's what it that's what it is they forgot how to be in large crowds when i was at the ranger yankee game on on thursday 
just seemed that people kind of just forgot how to be in large groups. And, uh, you know, like you said, I know this is very common for the golf crowd, but I think it's just magnified even more now that, uh, you know, things are back open and, and, and much, much closer to, to life pre COVID. And so again, they just kind of lose their minds for a minute. No. Yeah. And definitely people are excited to get back out and about. No, totally. I, I agree that that's part of the, thing out there but too this is this is not did you new. see I don't, I don't mean to cut you off did you did you see the clip somebody tweeted a clip t- uh this week and i didn't see uh i can't remember who it was but what they used to do back in the 70s yeah. or 60s as soon as the final putt went well, in the 30s i think oh was that the 30s okay yeah people would like yes. dive and try to like fight over the, bo- the ball and try to get it out of the hole we need yes. to bring that back that's that's what i want to see no we don't need to bring that back oh we do we do <laughs> That's that's any time. That's any that's any time. Um, no, we don't need to bring that back. We don't need. To. That's like any time a, a foul ball goes in the crowd. We don't need to see that on the golf course. I don't know. I disagree. I think it'd be electric TV. I mean, it would be electric TV. But like, could you a- imagine Nick Faldo like breaking that down play by play, like, and then and then maybe having a, a reaction camera on him, like Joe Rogan in the UFC. Nick Faldo would be so disgusted by it, he'd walk off before it even happened. He wouldn't even say this is terrible for the game. <laughs> that's what yeah, Nick Faldo yeah, that's would say. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably true. That's what Faldo would say. Um, but, but uh, yeah, no, that that video, I'd never seen that video before. That video was crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought I thought Kiowa Island, I thought it was a good course. They hadn't been there since 2012. I thought it was great. My stance on Kiowa is I would not, I would play it. I would like to go play it. But if there was ever a tournament there, I would never want to go watch a tournament at Keogh Island. I would not want to go watch it there. I think it's a horrible place to go watch a golf tournament. I think it's a great place to watch it on TV. But I think if you're a fan, excuse me, I think it's got to be one of the worst places to go to watch a tournament. Mm-hmm. Just because everything was so spread out. I the, Did anyone even see other than like, there was the hospitality on 18, the hospitality on 17. But were there even any grandstands set up, maybe behind the ninth hole? Like, normally at the majors, you see grandstands on, like, every hole pretty much. Like, I don't think there were even grandstands set up. You're pretty much standing the whole time walking and and watching the golf. It just didn't look like – I heard they said bottles of water were $10 and beers were, Oof. like, $17. Like, Jeez. my God, the PGA Championship – can't be the PGA of America can't be that strapped for money that they're just gonna really gouge the prices on that. But it just looked looked like a bad place to watch a golf tournament. It comes off great on TV and to play it's probably great, but just to watch a pro event, it doesn't it doesn't um, seem great. And people that have played it said, "I hate I hate it because it's so hard, but I enjoy watching the pros play. Like I don't want to go play it again, but watching the pros play was good." Yeah. Did you see the uh, speed thing on uh um on Friday? His his uh his uh talk one of his his signature moment this weekend of talking to his ball. I did, but I I I saw it while I was at the gym, so I didn't see what they what he was saying. But then where no, actually I wasn't at the gym. I was somewhere, but I remember him hand was it when he was handing his club back to his caddy and like said something like, I don't know. Go ahead and explain. I'm probably ruining it. No, so he's, he blasted a ball way right on, like, the second hole or something. And it lands, and he sees people, like, running away. 
from the ball, like like so it doesn't hit him. And he goes, "Come on, guys, stand tough and let it hit your ankles and fall down there." <laughs> Instead of like go to the hazard, like right. I, mean, I thought it was pretty funny, but yeah, that, I, it's just okay, like no, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's just, it's just like another. I mean, credit to him. That's much different than his other stuff. But he is. Um, so that that was probably the highlight of uh of Spee's weekend. He played well though. Did he? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think he. Well, he shot two over. I don't. I what? What are you shooting his last round? I thought he was kind. Of, I thought he was doing pretty well. Uh, he was. He shot on Saturday. He shot sixty-eight, which was a low round of the day. But then yesterday yeah. he shot two over, so he had it coming back on Saturday. The guy who really played well, Harry Higgs, he got fourth. Um, if you go look at the leaderboard, guys, that is that big rig. That's the big rig. Um, that is that is the big rig. Got himself in the playoffs. If you go look at that leaderboard, um, there are guys that weren't even in contention. Pretty much that like the backdoor top ten was wide open yesterday. It was so far open. Harry, if you if you teed off early before the wind was blowing and you could post a low score, like Scotty Scheffler somehow got a top 10. I thought he was like in the 30s or 40s. Somehow he backdoored a top 10. You're Justin Rose backdoored a top 10. Like Finau, shout out Finau. You know, we always, he's good for a backdoor top 10. He's all, mm-hmm. he was stones again with the backdoor top 10. Like, the backdoor top 10 was Zal Torres got a backdoor top 10. It was wide, wide open yesterday. Guys, you're like, wow, I don't, I don't think they showed, I don't know CBS if they showed a shot of Finau all weekend and he was in the top 10, I guarantee you they didn't show a shot of Scheffler all weekend and he ended up in the top 10. And it was, that's just like, that's just how it played out. Yeah. It's always interesting to see that. No, but the big Rick Harry Higgs. Interesting, I will say, credit to him. He was trying to pull off those uh, light blue pants, which seemed a little bit uh, out of character for him. Yeah, know we you know we talked about it on Thursday a lot of uh, wild wardrobe choices this weekend. Yeah, that one was just he was he was uh, um, getting out. Uh, he was uh, I don't not, I'm not gonna say getting out over the skis there, but he was uh, maybe testing the limits of what Harry should wear. You know, sometimes you step out in a fit that you're like you're not sure about. So you step out and you're like, all right, based on reaction, I will know whether this fit works or it doesn't. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, and then that's the way you learn. That's the only way to know. Because, you know, maybe you don't have uh, people in your life to let you know, hey, it doesn't work. And uh, and you just just need uh, others to, to let you know. Maybe I'll text his brother and ask him what he what the thought on the blue on the light blue pants was for Sunday. There you go. Um, and see what's going on there. But all right, yeah, that was the golf. We're three weeks away from the U.S. Open. We got Colonial this week. We got Memorial next week. And we got some replacement event in South Carolina. It's some course I've never heard of before the U.S. Open. And then the U.S. Open's at Torrey Pines. So the major season is uh, is here to stay for golf. The other thing going on big this weekend is NBA playoffs. A bunch of fantastic games. The Mavs take game one over the Clippers. That was really a seesaw battle. Um, they were up. The Mavs were up early. The Clippers came back, and then the Mavs closed out well. Lucas talking trash to Patrick Beverly, saying he's too small to guard him. And this is mirroring a lot like the series last year um, with the uh, with the um, with the Clippers, other than they didn't win game one, they won game two. Did you know that that was the first Mavs game one win since 2011 in the Western yeah. Conference Finals? Yeah. I also, how many times have they been in the playoffs? Like from 20, like 16 to 
They hadn't been in the playoffs in a while, though, before right. last year. Like, they, there was a three- or four-year playoff drought, but still not winning a game once. Well, they 20. went – I know they went in, I want to say, 2015 or 2016 for sure when they played the, the Thunder because uh, Jamie and I went to that game. I want to say, yeah, 2015, 2016. All right, I'll go look. But no, it's still just a surprising stat that they did not, yeah. uh, that they didn't, that they haven't won a playoff game one since, um, since 2011 in that series. But uh, there, that's, I, you know how six games, I, I like to change. I think that game's going seven. That series is going seven. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll take the stance on, on, on the flip flop. So the, so the, um, the, the Mavs missed the playoffs in 16, 17, 16, 17, 17, 18, uh, and 18, 19. Okay. So it was from 2015. Yeah. Yep. 2015. They, um, that was in a stretch of three years in a row of losing in the first round. You know, they haven't, you know, the last, what's the last series that the Mavs won in the playoffs? The, uh, NBA championship. It is. Yeah. They 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 are they have lost five in a row in the first round of the playoffs. That's not yeah. that's also surprising too a little bit. <clears throat> I mean those teams in the middle, those thirteen, fourteen, fifteen teams, they weren't that good. Yeah, they were average. Yeah, but still. And and, still... and too, that was the prime, you know, Warriors, prime Thunder, Spurs. Like that's when the West was like a juggernaut. Yeah, no, for sure. The they they ran into the Thunder and the Spurs and all those. Who else was the other team? The Warriors weren't. They were good, but they weren't at their peak yet. Um, except for 15, 16, yeah. uh, the, the last year of their run, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, the but, Clippers, the Clippers were still good, you know, when they had Lob true. city going. Yeah, no. Yeah. So yeah, they, they're looking for that first round, um, their first playoff, uh, series one, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to say now that it's going to go seven and, and, and really, I think it's. I think it's a toss up of who wins the series after after watching game one. Like I, I really do think it's a toss up. Yeah, you know, on, on Thursday I mentioned that this was kind of uh, a good a good chance for for Luca to kind of come out and kind of you know kind of cement himself and put himself on the scene, and he did exactly just that. You know, I said he he needs to play well to kind of get this stigma of he's just a complainer, you know, whiner, whatever it may be. And a guy comes out and drops a triple double on Patrick Beverly and the and the Clippers. Uh, like I said, talks his talk, tells him he's too small, which a lot, a lot of guys don't, aren't able to get away with that with Patrick Beverly. And, uh, you know, played a good game all the way around uh, for Luka. Porzingis had a couple big buckets down the stretch. So, yeah, I think it's going to be f- a fun, exciting series. Um, I still think, you know, I, I don't know if it goes seven, but now I'm leaning maybe a little bit more towards the Mavs taking this. Um, oh, yeah. And I think I think it's it, you know maybe a little bit of recency bias, but nonetheless, just the way they played and the way they looked, I'm like, hey, look, the Mavs absolutely could win this. Oh, for sure, and also just the Clippers just so look look like they kind of rolled over. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the just they don't do anything great. Yeah, they're just Kawhi is playing fine. Like I thought he played pretty well, but Paul George, yeah. It's just like, other than that, it's who do they got that's really going to scare you other than Paul George and Kawhi? You're, you're, you're not really scared of anyone. I mean, Rondo Rondo will play well in the playoffs. I I personally, look, I think Zubox for like a center starting like a good set. I think he's a solid center. Now, I'm not saying he fits well in this series with, 
with that with the Mavs, and I don't think he can stay on the perimeter with Porzingis. But I think Zubac is like a fine, a fine player. But they don't really do anything after the, the after Kawhi and Paul George. You, you they got a bunch of dudes like Batum, a solid role player. But Nicholas Batum should probably not be playing thirty two minutes a night. And like Marcus Morris, he's got to give you more than four points. But I, other than those two guys, their top two guys, they just they're just like, eh, okay, yeah. it's just. That's that's what they are, at least to me. No, no, I completely agree. Like, you know, they have names, right? Like you For said, sure. you mentioned Marcus Morris, Beverly, Rondo, Batum, Abaca. So it's like, oh, man, you know, they're, they're really good. But how good are those guys other than just what their names are? Yeah, and then for the Mavs, you got Hardaway, who gave you 21. He can always score. Finney Smith, was he was really clutch with those corner threes late in the that's game. That's his shot, man. That is his shot right there. No, for sure it's a shot, but it's always good to see a guy make it in the playoffs because yeah, obviously absolutely. the different type of pressure in the playoffs. But he was knocking it down. Uh, Brunson, we're we're all big fans of Jalen Brunson. He's great. He's he is he's a great backup point guard. He can get it. But so like for the Mavs, you at least see other guys that could go off for twenty in a night. You mm. got you got you got other options than just Porzingis and and and. Luca and like Luca's gonna give you probably thirty every night in the playoffs. I don't think that that would be. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, is it? Like you would expect no, because he's gonna he's, to be he's gonna take twenty three to thirty shots a game. Um. Yeah. No, for sure. So like that's a good baseline for him, and then it's other like Maxi Kleba didn't really have a good game the other mm-hmm. day, so you're gonna expect him to make a couple of threes and and things around around that. It's just like. The, the Mavs, their role players are so good at their role, mm. and they've they've been in that role for now two years. So they they can excel at that, and I think that's the edge they have on the Clippers. But see, I think this is exactly what Carlisle does so well, is establishing the roles for guys, making sure that they're buying into those roles, and then having them flourish in those roles. That's exactly what happened with that uh, championship team with Dirk and all the, you know, Sean Marion, Karan Butler, Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, yeah. you know, guys that just weren't, they weren't stars by any means, but they had their roles. They they played their role well, and uh, and they got the job done. But like you said, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. absolutely can give you twenty. Uh, Jalen Brunson could. So, kind of on the you know flip side of the Clippers, where if you're kind of a casual NBA fan, the Mavs don't have those quote unquote names, but those dudes will, like you said, drop you know, 12, 15, 18, 20 points on you with before you even realize. And Kleber, I mean, he still had, he only had six points, only shot three times, went one of three, but he still had nine rebounds, had four assists, mm-hmm. four good fouls. Like, that's a good game. You know what I mean? For for a center, he played 36 minutes. That's not a bad game by any means. So uh, these are all guys, like you said, they, they know their role, they play it well, and it's established early on. They don't try to do too much outside of that. And I think that's why they've seen success uh, this season. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with I agree with that. Um, and if you look at their record from like the All Star break, they've won. They've had one of the better records in the league too. So the Mavs have been playing well, um, closing out. All right, elsewhere they they play tomorrow night, NBA TV, which is also as again we talked about it the other day. Getting relegated to NBA TV for that series is is crazy, and it also sucks because I think the only way if you're in Dallas to watch that game is on TXA twenty one because the NBA TV, the blackout continues in the playoffs. If you stream it, well, you can watch on Bally Sports, but um, Bally's isn't on um, Hulu, right? It's not on. Is it on YouTube TV? I I don't know. I know it's not on on uh, Hulu. 
Yeah, it's not on. It's not. I don't think it's on YouTube TV. I don't know. Bally's isn't on a lot of stuff. So there's not really a lot of places to watch this game because of the NBA TV blackout where people that get the stream, that streams go. So that is a, that's also another reason why that, that's a, that's just a weird for a playoff game. It's going to be hard for people in Dallas to watch it. They got to figure out the, uh, what the stream is. So uh, let, what now, since we're on the, on the topic of Bally's sort of, that is the new like Fox sports Southwest, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So that, that's right. That's what I figured. Cause I was like, you know, because everything when I went to the game on Thursday was like ballets, ballets, ballets. Obviously, when I've been watching stuff from um, uh, the Diamondbacks in Arizona, it's all ballets. And so I was like, yeah, where where is this all coming from? And then I kind of put two and two together. Oh, hey, Fox Sports Southwest or Fox Sports Arizona, Fox Sports, whatever. That's all gone now. Must be ballets. So Sinclair Broadcasting Corporation, whatever, whoever they are, they bought the regional network sports rights from Fox. So there was a sale where whoever was buying in the sale, I think it was ESPN when they bought, didn't ESPN or Disney buy Universal? Yeah, Disney did, yeah. So they would not, for the sale to go through, they wouldn't let them include in that the regional sports network. Or network so they said it was too big of a monopoly. So then Sinclair came in and bought it. And Sinclair just owns a bunch of regional like news networks. They they're not really in the sports game business or whatever. So then they forever were trying to figure out what to redo. So they just pretty much rebranded at the beginning of April, being at Bally Sports Network. So the graphics, the whole they changed the whole thing. All the the graphics suck. Their score bugs terrible. Um, but it's the same people that still work there. But they and it's the same channels and everything. It's just. Sinclair now has branded it as Bally Sports Network. So Sinclair Broadcasting Group owns it. And they're in a standoff with all these streaming places of can they host a thing on there? Interesting. Uh, yeah. So so that's that's where they're at. And if they could get their if they, if their app, if they could figure out a way where you could cast it to the television, that would be great because the casting just does not work. It will load and load and load and load, and it just does not work. It's very disappointing. But um, back to the playoffs we go. Elsewhere, when did uh, were you already mad at LeBron when he decided that his shoulder ripped out? <laughs> Look, man, the first like my first inclination of like, come on, LeBron. That was my, like my first thought was that, and then my second thought was, God damn, Warren was right. That was, like <laughs> I kid you not. But yeah, I mean, it was first off. He should not have even been playing in that game after violating COVID protocols. I mean, I don't know what Devin Booker was at the same thing, wasn't he? No, he no, he did not go. Uh, and that was confirmed <laughs> that he did not go, even okay. though it was Kendall Jenner's tequila party or whatever. Uh, so he's got his eye on the prize and is dedicated to one team and one team only. Whereas LeBron obviously has uh, his eyes set on other things, but that's neither here nor there. But again, should not have even been playing, put everybody at risk on that court, but. I think he's vaccinated, so he can't transmit it. Uh, Well, talk to the Yankees about that, because their entire team's vaccinated, and they had nine guys on the COVID list. Well, they had the James. They didn't have the good one. (laughs) Is that confirmed? What, that they got the Johnson & Johnson? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. The Yankees wanted the – a bunch of teams wanted the Johnson & Johnson because they didn't care that it was only 60% effectiveness. They just wanted the one shot so they wouldn't have have to plan it over a couple off days or whatever, or – because did you did you see the some guy on Reddit was tracking how baseball teams were doing the day after they got a shot after the vaccine? 
Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know if you saw this, but they were like 0 and 6. Like they were not really? winning. Uh-huh. Um, so the Yankees and a couple other teams were like, um, the Johnson and Johnson, yeah, we know it's less effective, but we'll take, um, we'll take the, uh, we'll take the vaccine. Hmm. Well, that one, but also not everybody on the Yankees got the vaccine too. I think only 85% or they at okay. least crossed the threshold. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know a couple of guys that had had, had COVID previously and got the vaccine still tested positive yeah. again for it. So, uh, but back, back over to, to LeBron, the LeBron show, but yeah, he, you know, he, uh, he, you know, people always talk about, oh man, this guy could play football. He's so big, yada yada yada. I mean, he gets bumped by arguably the smallest guy on the court and uh, goes down, and his rotator cuff was torn completely oh. off the bone. Continue, what? sorry, continue. No, the no, no. And then, and then, you know, campaign goes after the ball. He gets pushed by Caruso, and then gets almost, you know, <laughs> t-boned. Gets gets the gold beer, gold, uh, the Goldberg spear by Montrez Harrell, and he's the one that gets ejected. I don't know how that happens. Montrez should be suspended for the rest of the playoffs after that malicious <laughs> hit. Car- uh, Caruso needs to be gone uh, after you know blindsiding uh, campaign that way. And uh, but other than that. Great performance by by Devin Booker. Great, you know, just tough, gritty performance by Chris Paul. He has to go to the locker room and get his shoulder checked out. And, uh, you know, he's able to come back and not make it about him and uh, just makes it about the team and gets the victory. What about DeAndre Ayton? DeAndre Ayton just absolutely put his nuts on Anthony Davis's unibrow and said, hey, take this, and just absolutely demolished him both offensively and defensively. And it was a fantastic performance by DeAndre Ayton. You know, he's kind of been – I wouldn't say he's a bust by any means. I mean, I know the number one overall pick, uh, you're looking for a little more production, especially a a draft where Luka comes out and a couple of these other guys that are really performing. But in today's league, it's just, you know, taking a center first overall probably isn't the smartest idea to begin with. But – when you get that kind of big time performance, I know it's only been one game. We'll see how it goes the rest of the series and the rest of the playoffs, you know, hopefully. But to get that kind of performance against, you know, a guy that everyone considers the best big man in the league was just, you know, awesome and and, and shocking, honestly. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. I just think LeBron was so shocked that Chris Paul violated the banana boat rules of trying <laughs> to take out an arm that that he just needed to collect himself on the ground for a couple of minutes. It, I mean, it was, I, I, I'm sure you saw it was, you know, everyone was making the comparisons of how long LeBron was on the court after the Draymond foul versus Kevin Pillar when he took 95 to the face. And, but and this Joe, is what he does. This is what exactly. LeBron does. Why are people surprised? We've talked about this at nauseum and people talk about it on, like Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson when they play with LeBron. They said that he lays down on the ground to get more energy and to give himself a little bit of break because he knows he could get away with it. Like, this is not like this is LeBron's first time doing it. He's been doing this since he went, walked in the league at, mm-hmm. at when he was, when he was uh, what, in 2003 or whatever. Like, this is not new. I don't understand why people, one, are still so triggered by it and still take the bait every single time. I think I think people are triggered by it because it's just tired. It's like, buddy, like what? Like what? He always checks for blood. I don't think he's ever bled a single drop of blood on the court in his entire eighteen year career. I don't know if he's ever actually had not from his face, maybe from an arm or something like that. But I don't think he's ever had his face split open. That's the first thing he does is goes jersey to the eyebrow or goes finger to the eyebrow to see if there's blood. There's never blood, LeBron. But uh, it's just it's it's like I said, it's a tired act. And I and I said on Thursday like. Look, it's it's tough to be a LeBron stand because you know you got to take the good to the bad, and uh, you know, kind of being on the other side, 
it kind of forces you to see the bad of LeBron. It's just like, oh my goodness. Like it just magnifies it a little bit more because you already knew it was there, right? It's like it's like when you're dating a girl and like things are kind of like, you know, you kind of see the red flags, but you see past it. But then when things are like really going bad, you're like, all right, I think I'm out. Then those things just get magnified even more. And you're like, okay, yeah, I can't handle this anymore. Yeah, no, I told you this was going to happen. I mean, yeah, you knew it was no. going to happen. The, yeah, and like I said, as soon as that happened, my first thought was like, you know, all right, LeBron, let's let's relax. And then my second thought was, God damn it, Warren was right. Yeah, um, but I'm just, I and first of all, I, if he played football, he would be totally different. Like he wouldn't do the charade. Yeah, probably, probably. Like he he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. He just he just knows that he could get away with this. It does look ridiculous. Um, but he knows that he could do this. That's why I just, and it is, I get it. It is tired. It is there. I can't tell you how many times that there's been a, Oh, a text from my dad or friends like, Oh, LeBron's down. And then there's always, well, this is when he first started. And then you're, you, you think he just literally had just like his knee from the, his leg from the knee down is going to get amputated just because he's just like motionless on the feet on the court. Mm. And then you're like, Oh no, he's up. And then, Oh my God, he had this spectacular dunk. And then you just become like numb to it or whatever. And then it's just like, that's, that's just what he is. This is, we need to set our standards different for LeBron. I think on this, on this acting, whatever, catching, resting after a, after a minuscule uh, injury or whatever. But see, here's the thing. Like if, if what he's trying to do is trying to get quote unquote more energy, like, the way the human body works, I'm not sure if laying on the court an extra 20 or 30 seconds, like you're really gaining that much energy. Uh, if so, maybe. And if that is the case, maybe we need to check in on what substances he's using. But uh, the other thing too, like if it, like if he's sometimes to me, it just seems like he's trying to make everyone believe that he's putting together this gritty performance and like battling back from what could be a, you know, catastrophic injury. But like you said, there's been numerous times where he rolls an ankle, goes to the locker room, comes back, you know, two or three minutes later, and then windmills dunks off that same ankle that he just rolled. So it's like, you know, we, we, like, we get it, LeBron, like you're a tough guy. You're the best player to ever suit up. That's fine. But you don't have to try to convince us that you're injured and coming back from these catastrophic yeah. injuries to make us believe that. Yeah. I do love though, when he gets hit in the face and he does his whole hands and his hands in the face thing and walking around and just, mm -hmm. I think that I, sometimes I just laugh at that. I just think it's, and it's not just once he'll do it like act. four or oh, five I times. I know it's a, I've, Sometimes I find it funny just because it's just so ridiculous, and he's not, he shouldn't be fooling anyone that uh, that he's actually that hurt. But the playoffs, boy, this was quite the weekend for the playoffs. I'd say a lot of good games started off with a real uh, banger of a game with the Heat and the Bucks. Giannis was he got he, absolutely bailed out. He did get bailed out big time. I don't understand how he could play Matador defense on Jimmy Butler. Like he just let him walk by. Like how do you let a guy walk by? But uh, they got bailed out. They they won. You know, the, the Grizzlies woke up to a Grizzlies win. Also didn't realize that Donovan Mitchell was out last night on yeah. his ankle thing. But that seemed like a weird situation there, right? Like that, he was supposed to play the whole time, and then he just didn't play. Um, but the Grizzlies beating the Warriors, that was a shocker. We all expected the Warriors to win. Like, Steph Curry, he's, that's a tough scene for him, I think. But... Uh, that was surprising, and then I, you know what? I am so over the Knicks. I'm over the Knicks. I'm I'm so done with them. I'm. Over I don't know. Knicks. Did you watch any of that game yesterday? Oh, it was a great game. Great, no, great I'm just game. saying. I'll come on, let me rephrase this. 
I am so over Knicks fans. There you go. That's, that's what, what I meant to say. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. The Knicks, I think, are a good basketball. Like they're a good basketball team, but I'm so over the Knicks fans. It's just they think they have this like God-given right since they play at Madison Square Garden that they should be good, and they have literally been horrible forever. They got one title. They got as many titles as the Cavs since 1972. Or whenever they last won a title. Like they have just the only reason they're relevant is because they play in New York City. And even then, sometimes they're just irrelevant. Like I am so over the Knicks fans. And I re- I hope the Hawks sweep them. I hope the Hawks sweep that ass and the Knicks and the fans can just cry about it forever. Like, oh, look at and then they'll be like, Well, we were supposed to be thirteenth this year. We were supposed to be thirteenth. And I'm so over Knicks fans. Over them, get them out of here, get them out of here. It was a great atmosphere though at the garden. I will give them that, but get them out of here. It was a great atmosphere. It was a great game. My complaints with the Knicks fans are <clears throat> it's, you know, oh, we're, we're this is our year. We're going to make a run. We're the fourth seed. We got a great team, great coach, you know, Tom Thibodeau, blah, blah, blah. Talk their shit, whatever. And then as soon as they do lose, it's oh the Knicks suck. They're ne- they've never won. They've never done anything. They've never won anything since yada yada yada. It's like okay, you gotta you pick a side. Pick a side here, guy. You can't be oh we're the greatest team ever. And then as soon as we as soon as you lose, oh um, we we never had a shot. The Knicks are terrible. Like that's that's my my complaint with the Knicks. But uh, like I said, it was a great atmosphere. Every time there was a big shot that was made, I found myself rooting for the Knicks last night, uh, mainly because I'm just I'm just a big anti Trey Young guy. I know I'll probably catch you for that, but but I am. Um, And uh, but I did think it was pretty cold blooded when he after he made that game when he shot and he said it's quiet as fucking here right now because I thought that was pretty awesome because they were chanting F U F U F U and then he makes that basket and goes dead silence. I thought that was pretty cold blooded, but. we want to talk about bad defense again, too. Uh, Nilakina, Frank Nilakina, playing Matador defense on Trey Young to get that floater. Uh, but uh, that, that a lot, of, like you said, a lot of great playoff basketball. I, I didn't watch the late game last night because all weekend baseball got rained out. Obviously, all weekend it was just it was golf, it was basketball, it was college baseball, it was college softball. It was Yankee baseball sweeping. I look. I told you, the Yankees need to start a super league. Just them in the AL Central. They'll win the World Series every year, whatever their <laughs> yeah, yeah. is every year. Doesn't matter who they play in the AL Central. Uh, so finally, when that last game came on, Jamie was like, "Is there any way we can watch anything other than sports?" And so I was like, "All right, fine. I'll I'll concede here." <laughs> um, yeah. The <clears throat> the three TVs were working overtime on Saturday. Yeah. Um, not so much yesterday. Yesterday was. Watch some F one. I watched that too. I got got some of that going. The, the the that's a bad race to watch though. As I said, like on Thursday. Yeah, but you know you got you kind of got to get a feel for it. For sure, for sure, for sure. But uh, if Trey Young keeps it up this series, you might need to rethink your Trey Young thing. You could still be anti Trey Young, but you might have to give him some props. Yeah. No. No. For sure. The, for sure. I, I will. I will keep my eye on it, and maybe man, maybe Trey Young is more of a basketball player and not just so much. A uh, a volume shooter. Well, I think when he came into the league at first, volume shooter because the Hawks were so bad, and that was the only way he thought they could win. Now I think he's starting to realize, hey, I got some better pieces around me. I got uh, one of the Bogdanovich brothers, Kevin Herter, uh, Gallinari. Like these, they got more weapons. You mean Chuck Liddell? Huh? I said you mean Chuck Liddell out there chucking up threes? Who? Kevin Herter? No, Gallinari with that mohawk. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, but he's got more guys around him where he's more comfortable yeah. passing it. Yeah. Because go look at that team when he first got in the league. Like you, if you were Trey Young, you look at those guys and be like, I'm the one shooting 30 times a night. Mm. Um. But yeah, no. But the F1. Uh. Well, and then I'm sorry. Before we get to that, the the playoffs get under continue tonight. Game two. Only two games tonight. I don't understand some of these schedules sometimes. Like yeah. Tuesday we're rolling. It's tonight. We got two games, then Wednesday we're going to play three, Thursday. Like, let's get – I know they're trying to get four games on Saturday and Sunday, but they're where, where they all play. But there's a way where we could do that with we can get three games a night going on, but whatever. Uh, but the F1 yesterday, really the most it's, – it's sad that the most exciting thing in the race is you got to wait to find out at the beginning of the race if the guy who got pole is going to be able to start because he crashed his car and if it's going to be able to work or not. And then the second most exciting thing during the race is when a pit stop happens and the guy in second place, they can't get the right front wheel off and they just retire the car because they don't have another way to get the tire off, which I thought it was crazy they couldn't get the tire off. But that was pretty much the two most exciting things. Oh, and then the most exciting race action, I don't know if you saw this, there's two guys racing coming out of a pit stop and... uh, and the director just cuts away to a guy getting airborne, pretty much, like going over a curb. <laughs> did you see that? I did see that. And then the announcer goes, "What's the director doing?" I love that he did that. I that thought he called I him was, out. Huh? Yeah. That he called him out. Oh yeah, I thought that was great. And then he apologized. I think what, like a minute later or something, yeah. he apologized to the director. He goes, "I'm sorry for the director," because they're just broadcasting on the international feed, like they just have an international feed. But right. he was excited. We finally got some racing action at Monaco, and then the guy just the, the the director goes to something else, like it was already pre-planned. And then I, him calling out the director, I was chef's kiss at that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was that was the first race that I like sat down and watched uh of f1 and uh what honestly what made me do it i don't know if you listened to uh pmt on friday they had um who was it christian i can't remember christian hornier or something like what christian oh, that horner horner He's the red bull guy i, I yeah. listened because yeah he was on so yeah so he was a red bull guy uh once i figured out he was the red bull guy i was like all right this is my guy obviously because there ain't no stopping max for stopping um and so the fact that you know because when you when you like Everything isn't always apples to apples. So, you know, we think of F1, your our closest comparison is probably Indy or NASCAR here, right? Uh, and so, NASCAR. right. But just as for, so when the, the crazy thing to me was when he was talking about the size of each team is like 800 or 1,000 guys per, per like car was wild to me. There's like, you know, 200 guys for just tires, like 500 guys for just a gearbox or, or transmission. Like there's like, they, like this literally is like a massive team of just hundreds and almost a thousand guys per car. Yeah. Well, they're the biggest team. Yeah. Like them and Mercedes are the biggest. So say like Haas or Williams, they probably got two, still, they, they have like 250, 300 people around that working there. Yeah. So that's still a lot of people. But they're just one of the smaller teams. But yeah, no, they have a. It's amazing when they said it. He's got. They got eight hundred people working. Thing too about Red Bull, they they don't make their own engine. They they use the Honda and the Honda makes the engine for them. So Honda has a whole F1 side in Japan at their factory in Japan that they're working the engine on. So they they don't even count those people. The thing about Red Bull, what they're doing is they're in, starting in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. They're gonna start using their own engine because Honda's leaving after the end of the year. So they're building their own facility and they're stealing a bunch of Mercedes people for that. But like, it's going to grow even more when they, when they build it, like they don't build their own engine right now. That's just on the car and everything. Yeah. 
Um, no, but that, the Monaco race, look, it's a great scene. Like, the setting is awesome. Yeah. Um, the, the, the track just isn't. I mean, if you, when you watch it, you're thinking, how are these guys going to be able to pass anyone? Like, the, yeah, you can't. And it's it, it, it. The cool thing though about Monaco is that when they do the close-ups, when they do the like the zoom-ins, like in some of the chicanes or whatever, like you can see the tire is literally like what a millimeter away from the wall, or sometimes the outside of the tire will just graze the wall because they're so the the margins are so thin they're pushing it to the exact limit that they think they can without crashing mm-hmm. um which was exciting but then the next race is in um two weeks in azerbaijan and then lewis hamilton was crying his crying his eyes hard on the radio and it's just like dude you guys didn't have a good strategist this time suck it up so that was that was uh i thought to me i thought that was i thought that was funny because he always they they just Mercedes didn't have a good strategy yesterday, but then he's just like, "How has this happened?" And then, "How is this happening?" He's just crying, crying like a little baby over there. I thought mm-hmm. that was funny, but uh, yeah, glad you watched the F one race, even though it's the most boring race of the season. You know, it takes real fans like us to uh, to hold it down. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right, do you have anything else before we wrap up here? No, like I briefly mentioned it, uh, college baseball, the Super Regionals are going to be starting here, or just the Regionals are going to be starting here. Arizona clinches the uh, Pac-12 once again. Uh, They are the champions in the Conference of Champions. Uh, Arizona softball moves on to the Super Regionals. So low-key, like this time of year, great year for sports. I mean, we we even get to talk about NHL playoffs, another another good weekend of NHL playoffs. Obviously, we said the NBA playoffs. Um, I'm a big college softball and college baseball guy at this time of year. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously just regular season baseball, if that's your type of thing, but low key, I mean, tons of stuff going on this, this past weekend, there was a lot of sports going on. Lots, a lot, a lot to keep the eyes on. If you want us to watch, there was a lot of stuff that, that you could have been watching out there, but, uh, yeah. All right. That'll do it for us. Hey, real quick. Did you see what, what happened on undisputed today? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I meant to bring this up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Shannon Sharp calls Julio Jones to ask him about uh, about what his situation is, and Julio just says, "I'm out of there." I don't think he knew he was on TV, but he said, "I'm out of there." Well, then they were talking about Julio going to the Cowboys, I think, because it was Skip. Yeah. And then, did you say? Did you hear? Did you see this part? He says he doesn't want to go there because he wants to win. Yes. Well, <laughs> they asked him where he wants to go. He goes, "I want to go to win somewhere." And then, what about Dallas? He goes, "No, I want to go win." Yeah. But that's just that's bad on Shannon Sharp. Oh, yeah, for sure, because I don't think he knew he was live. No, Julio Jones had no way he knew he was live. There's no way. No way he knew he was live. So that's a tough um, that's a tough look for um, that's a tough look for Julio Jones. But it's uh, Schefter uh, is tweeting that Atlanta has been asking teams for a first round pick in return for Julio Jones. I mean, I don't think that's really going to happen, but um they can ask for it, but that's not going to happen. But that's just, that's also bad by Shannon. Like that's a bad look for Shannon Sharp. Oh, yeah. I would like to see the text convo right now between Julio and Shannon or yeah, Shannon's is... <laughs> or, or, or Julio's agent to Shannon Sharp. Like, yeah. can I hear the phone call when they go in the green room after the show? Absolutely. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I think they're saying a little more than what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But that's the gist of the conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, that, that was wild. Very, very little J of uh, of Shannon Sharp. Well, he was trying to be a big J by getting the news on Julio Jones. 
But when you gotta let him know to, he's live. I know, but I'm saying when wanting to be a big J turns into being a little J, that's what mm -hmm. that should be called. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was that. All right, we'll be back on Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, talk to you then. <laughs>